look great. You're doing good. You are fabulous. Yes, that's right. Welcome to the podcast for moms by this mama, keeping it raw, real, and unfiltered every Thursday. Let's get into Christian Mom Uncensored. It just keeps getting better. Welcome back to Christian Mom Uncensored. I first want to thank you guys for getting us down to up to 30,000 downloads um, total. So <laughs> just keep in mind that um, it's not per week. I'm not a big shot um, podcaster yet, yet speak into existence, but it's good to talk to you all. I wanted to talk about, um, I had, okay, I have a question, a couple of questions for you all. My first question is, do you, you know how like all of our social media in like specifically TikTok, everyone talks about how women in the fall just go crazy. Like it's 72 degrees. There's this one that's going around where it's like 72 degrees. And then all of a sudden pull out the sweaters and you roll out your pumpkins and you decorate your porch. I don't know what has happened to me, you guys. I was literally preaching to the choir that summer is not over. And I'm literally looking at my tree in my front yard right now. And not to say the leaves are changing colors because I realized that it's barely September, like not, it's like negative September, like not even September, but honey, I see a, twi- I see a twinge of color happening. And so I am definitely resetting. I feel like I said it before, like spring cleaning is a thing, but so is like fall reset because it's like you're getting towards the end of the year and I think it's like what did I want to accomplish this year what can I accomplish in the next September October November December four months before the end of the year and anyway so I for once want to have a really cute porch and I think what has happened is my identity is morphing into this almost 30-year-old mom um, that is definitely like podcasting and planning trips, but it's it's going from like, you know how you have like your hot girl phase? I never really got a chance to have, I had that for like two years or something that I had in college. And then you kind of get to adult and you're in your career phase. And now I'm just really into my mom phase. And I, I don't even know, I'm just so excited. Oh, sorry. I'm so excited for fall. And also to just throw away stuff, something that is really hard for me is that I have said it a million times. I am a mover and a shaker. When I want something done, I'm going to get up and do it. I don't have a lot of time to think about it or to dream about it or to wonder about it. I, um, just need time. And so, uh, long story short, short story long, I want to do a lot of projects around the house. And my husband is like, that's fine, but we can't do everything in a day. And I'm like, hell yeah, we can. And so my biggest problem in life is being like, um, I want to rearrange this, rearrange that, do this, do that. And it's like, you can't do it all in one day. And like, there's like, like chill out. And so what I am doing I think I've said before, but I'll say it, and maybe I did it, I've been on so many different um, content, so I don't remember where I said what, but we are transforming Elliot's room, which if you follow me on TikTok, you can see it's just like storage, it's a bunch of crap. I'm giving my crib away to somebody, and so taking that apart this weekend to give my crib away, and then... um, which I'm really excited for. I'm keeping some of my bigger baby furniture, but I never used my crib. And so I feel like, why hold on to this for the future? You know what I mean? Like, why even do that? And so, um, plus I don't, like my bassinet was a little expensive. And so if we were to have another kid, I wouldn't want to have to rebuy it. It's a really nice, it's a really nice bassinet. Um, And so it's like, eh. Don't know if I want to give this away. Um, if I would for sure sell it because it's very lightly used, but I'm not quite there yet. And so I'll move it into my room for now or something. And I'm doing the couch covers, making my couch go from gray to red, which sounds weird, but the mood is going to be 
I am setting my house so that I can transition between the seasons and I only have to do it twice a year. So my color scheme is like, we have a blue gray wall. We have a gray couch. Our floor is gray. I have a rug on top of our floor. This is the living room. That's like cream and blue. And so, and then I have curtains that are like pink and blue, like pink and like tealish color. And so it's like bright. Well, it's not that bright in here. Um, I could brighten it up. But in the spring, I pull out like my pink, white, blue curtains. And then I, um, that's what I did this spring to like make it brighter. And I have like these spring kind of um, pictures hanging up. In the fall and the winter, you can buy these couch covers, by the way. And I'm about to buy, I'll probably buy one for next season too and change it. I'm getting really sick of just looking at gray floor, gray couch, kind of gray wall. And so I'm changing it to red. Yeah, I'm changing it to red and changing my throw pillows and putting my coffee table back downstairs and like redesigning my, um, my redesigning my, living room. I don't know why I just had that brain freeze, but, um, and so, and like retaking down some of the pictures I have up, I use, um, mixed tiles and they're so great. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, four, eight, 12, 16 mixed tiles. And like, I have like 12 of them in the living room, four of them in the dining room. Actually I have more than 12 cause I have like a set in the dining room. And so I'm going to keep one of my sets up that I like, but I'm going to move all of them and update them. And do you like, instead of having a bunch of little pictures, I'm going to move these pictures into like our hallway and like, um, the kids room with pictures of the kids and I'll have a couple in my room and then like redo the design of my wall in the living room and I just feel like my poor husband who wants to chill on the weekends is going to be like why are you doing all these projects and I can't help it and so the biggest project is we're spray painting like a, a cubby that we have um, I'm either going to spray paint it blue or red and put it upstairs in the kids second playroom I know that sounds excessive but so the way our house is structured is you walk in you're immediately in the living room my desk is there my couch is there tv's there we have a right corner of toys we have this shelf on our wall that I'm about to completely clear out and my husband is like you need to stop throwing things away but I've just been like every day in the middle of the day I like pick an, a corner or an area and I just start clearing it out and I'm really trying to like elevate this the aesthetic of my living room because I spend so much time in it and I want to do content in it and I want to be happy and cozy and comfy in the winter. In the summer, you know, we're outside a lot. We go places a lot. And so, yeah, we have to be in our living room, but we're really traveling and doing different things. In the winter, things on a level um, slow down where you're spending a lot more time on the couch. I mean, make sure you still exercise. I have a gym membership, but, you know, I'm spending a lot more time in inside. And so I'm trying to make inside pretty and organized. I also just realized that Mia is four, Elliot is two, and we have stuff for when Mia was two, and we don't need to hold on to, like, baby toys they sometimes touch and play with, and I know it's, like, even if they play with it sometimes, you're, like, do I keep this sometimes they play with it? My answer is no. If you are not obsessed with this toy, if you do not play with it every single day, like your Barbies in the blocks, then it can go. Like these baby, baby toys, they can freaking go. I will, I'm more into like setting up like activities and having toys that are multi-purpose, like having, we have a table that like on one side is flat, on the other side is a Lego table. Great. They can color on that table and then they can flip it over and play Legos. And then on the inside of it, you would think we keep our Legos there. No, we keep like sand in there. So they have this three function table that they color on, they can like take the top off, play Legos on it. We have a bin full of their Legos. And then on the inside is sand for them to play with sand. So it's like a multifunctional, I want toys situations like that without having a bunch of little stuff. And so if you're like me and you don't have an aesthetically pleasing home and you're working on it, I feel you because I'm an average American woman just trying to make it. 
So you all know it's Labor Day weekend and I am actually spending Labor Day weekend working, not working at, at my job, but like working on my house. Um, you guys know for the past couple episodes, I've talked about remodeling and not really remodeling, but like resetting. And something I realized was that there are just different types of men in the world. And here's an advice. Here's advice to you if you are single or if you are in a relationship but you're not married and you're like trying to consider your options about what you want to do. And even if you are married. So here's my marriage advice or my advice in relationships in general. Every person has their faults. So you probably can hear my kids game in the background I'm sorry but every person has their faults so you might think that this person for instance never does the dishes which is like a whole conversation we'll get into in a minute or this person has whatever issue but you could be trading in for another fault now I'm not saying to settle because I definitely did not settle um my husband's great. He meets a lot of my check marks. He's protective. He loves very fiercely. He's super loyal, but he can like be slow, slow to move. And I'm, I'm a quick mover. Like I lived in, you know, this, I lived in New York. Now I lived in New York as a kid, but I feel like where you live as a kid still has an effect on who you are as a person. Like I'm a fast talker, fast walker. I like to get to the point. It's a very Northern Eastern East Coast kind of thing where I noticed, for instance, when we went on vacation to the South and I've been saying I want to move to the South, what I would have to adjust is that people just talk slower and life just goes by slower, which is great. And it's probably better, right? Compared to like the rat race of the Eastern coast, the East coast. But anyway, and so I think that like when you're picking a partner, there's always going to be things that both of you have to work on. Remember, you're not perfect either. Um, and like for me, I because I am so quick, I can be quick to say something and um, like hurt feelings. Um, the other thing I um, kind of do slash don't do is... Um, Our communication styles are very different to the point where he, men are such fixers. And I think here's the thing about it though, as women, a lot of times we want someone to talk to and whenever we have a problem, if you have a partner, they often want to fix it unless you have a different partner that has a different way of doing things. And I think that it's a cop out to just say men are fixers, right? There's a lot of relationship experts that will say men are fixers. So that's what they're doing. That is great. There are things I do in my relationships with people, with myself, with my husband, where I have to check myself against my natural instincts or my natural response because I'm human. So if I am stressed out or freaking out, my husband wants to say it'll be okay. And I think that's because early on in our relationship, I told him, listen, when I'm upset, I don't need you to fix things. I need you to tell me it'll be okay. And so he took note and then he started telling me it'll be okay. The problem is he does not have a pre-written response for when I say it won't be okay because of this, 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 or this, or because of possibly this, 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 or this. And then he gets stuck. (laughs) So he's like, okay. So then he tries to fix it because I just told him it won't be okay. Um, And it's because my pre-written response that I originally had at the beginning of our relationship doesn't work in more serious scenarios. But anyway, moving on from there, if I were to give advice to people who are looking to get married, who are in a relationship and considering marriage, who are, um, I don't know, in the dating world, the first thing I'm going to say is nobody's perfect. We all have baggage. However, you have to make sure their baggage isn't too heavy for you to hold. Like in my arms, as a mom, I can carry a lot of stuff. I can carry an infant car seat, a diaper bag, Mia's backpack. On my other shoulder, I can probably carry three grocery bags. And as long as the door is open before I pick all of that up, I can walk through the door. That's my max. And that is the max. And so I just want to remind you of that. And just remember, everyone has stories and... um 
I don't know what I'm trying to tell you all about your marriage and relationship. The point is that I think sometimes people, because we live in a world of instant gratification and of social media where we see picture-perfect moments and picture-perfect families and picture-perfect bodies and picture-perfect relationships, it can become very hard to be realistic when it comes to relationships because you think it's supposed to be a certain way. And again, I'm saying this as somebody who's coming from a relationship where there are so many areas of fulfillment for me, where I don't believe I settled, where I have always kind of selected who I wanted to be with, but also I understand that relationships take work. And so if you get to a point where it's hard, it doesn't mean that you're not meant to be together. Sometimes you have to like grow together. I will say though, what do you do if the other person's not willing to change or to grow? That's when you have to get serious with them. Um, and because it's also not fair to you to put in all the work. And I've been in places like that relationship wise and friendship wise, where you realize you're putting in all the work. And I had this conversation with my husband recently where like, I can't put in more work than anyone else anymore. And so like friendship wise, um, relationship wise, I, I've been taking the very good girl Christian approach of always checking on everybody, always make sure everyone's okay, always, you know, be the person who's there, who's there to listen. And that's not a bad thing. But when you don't get that in return, it can kind of feel, I don't know, exhausting or like you're not you're not appreciated. And so for me, as the friend that checks in on everybody, as the the wife that checks in on my husband, and as the person who's like, hey, how are you doing? Just checking in to see how you are. I'm that person. And I'm not saying I won't be that person. But if our relationship is silent for months or weeks, and it takes me to reach out to you every single time, it's not going to work for me because now I have some things to tell y'all. My life's just getting more complicated. And so um, I need everyone in my life to sort of step up. And I think that's okay. And I think that you have phases where you have more to give and you have phases where you have less to give. And as friends, every relationship isn't like, it's not a 50-50 relationship ever. It's always, sometimes it's 50-50. Sometimes it's 20-80. Sometimes, you know, it's 30-70 or whatever. It's whoever has it in them at the time. And so anyway, long story short, short story long, um, when it comes to relationships, I don't know if any of this is making sense. I think that people tend to cut and run instead of working through a problem. Perhaps look and see if that's a problem you can fix. Now for me, I would leave if cheating ever occurred. Um, that's not something I am personally willing to grow from. I think it would bring about too many insecurities. Um, I know people who have been in relationships where they cheated on each other and they're together now and they're being faithful and that works for them. That's not something I could accept. So like choose what your boundaries are, but just because there's an issue or a roadblock doesn't mean that you're not going to have a beautiful fairy tale relationship. Um, people change over time and I think that the person you marry on the day that you get you know, of your wedding, there's so many parts of that person that are going to stay the same. And there's so many parts of that person that are going to change because life experiences change you um, and they and they ground you and they shift your perspective. And so being willing to adapt to the changes and also you're gonna change too. Your goals may change, your dreams may change. That's where, that's where it comes tricky. And not to say, like there's so many things about Ethan that like I married him five years ago. There's so many things about him that are the same. There's so many things that, you know, he still needs me to kind of help him pick out good professional clothes if he's going to an interview. Um, and that's fine. He, he grew up a farm boy. He lived in, you know, sweatpants and whatever. He played sports and lived on a farm, so dress-up's not his thing. You know, he's still going to always want Chinese food if he is having a hard week or a hard day because that's his comfort food, you know. He's always going to... When he's cranky, he is always going to say he's fine. And I know that he wants me to not to not press him at that time. But, you know, he definitely had different goals than when we got married. He's also more, you know, um, realistic. He has two kids and a wife. Um, 
before he was willing to take some bigger chances that now maybe he's not. And I'm the chance taker and every relationship needs one and the other. And so um, I used to be very, maybe not really, like more submissive to the point where like, you know, I want to just do whatever you say. And I have such a strong voice now. Not to say that I don't respect my husband. I think that it gets tricky when you talk to like Christian women about being a Christian wife and like biblically submit to your husbands and the definition of that. That's a whole conversation that is not meant for this episode of this podcast. But to me and in our relationship, the way it works is there are certain things in my life that I have autonomy over. And there are things in his life he has autonomy over. Then there's a part where our lives are together, our home, our kids, um, our jobs even, like we can't just quit our jobs tomorrow. It would have to be a conversation. And so in terms of like what I'm going to wear out or if I should buy this new thing for me or not, same for him. If he should buy this new game, he doesn't have to consult with me. If I, if I want to buy this new bag, if I got the money, he doesn't, I don't have to consult with him. And, but with big decisions about should me go to school three days or five days, all day or half day, and with big decisions about our family, like, are we going to Disney this year or not? No, and I'll explain why that's a big decision later. Because um, we think we're going to push our trip back just a little bit. Um, time-wise, I think it'll end up working out better, but we're still going to go. Um, I, I usually will give him all of my logic laid out and say, final decision is yours. And there's a lot of areas of my life where he does the same. Sometimes I feel like too many areas. Um, but yeah, that's that. So, um, there's so much I actually want to tell you all, but I can't, and it's really hard. I'm the worst at waiting at things. Um, one of my personality traits, or one of my fatal flaws, I should say, that's really annoying is when it comes to, like, birthday presents and Christmas presents, or any type of present, or any type of news that is exciting, or things that are happening in my life, I have a really hard time keeping it a secret or holding on until it's the time to do it so like if I buy a bunch of presents for Mia and it's Mia's birthday week right and her day her birthday is on a specific day it's really important that I don't get those presents until the day before her birthday and that's not my style I usually order things out right as parents we're kind of thinking ahead and if you have to order something it takes a little while to get there and so when it does I'm like okay so, um, yeah, what am I going to do? What will happen is she'll have a day where she's really good and <laughs> she wants to go shopping or, you know, she, I, I just want to give her something and I'll be like, well, can I give her this thing? It's kind of small. I never give her like the biggest part of her present, but the point is that she has all these things and it's the same with Christmas. And so going into the holidays, I think advent calendars are really smart and it's not even holiday season yet y'all it is September I'm just thinking about I feel like September happens and everyone starts thinking about Halloween Thanksgiving and Christmas and so I'm just gonna join the masses and do the same and I'm gonna get my kids really cute advent calendars um and the point of advent I think is to go through Christmas and talk about um you know the story of Jesus but there's so many cute ways you can do it. And so I'm going to try and get really creative this year. There are so many different types. When I was growing up, I remember my grandmother always got me one and there's a piece of chocolate in it, but there's ones with Play-Doh. There's ones with like fidgets. There's ones with LOLs, like whatever your kid is into, you can probably find an advent calendar for. Um, you can probably also make one, which, I am not a good arts and crafter, like I'm a very bad drawer, but I can put things together and I might make my own because then you can really customize it per child and I'll do a video about how to do that um, as we get closer to the holidays. You guys know that my whole life has been YouTubing and TikToking for a while and so some of that content is of course um, releasing this week because it's the first week of September. Um, 
and I'm excited because it's a place where I feel like a lot of moms are living out their lives and you get like a sense of community, kind of like this podcast. And um, for me, you know, on this podcast, I like to keep it raw, real and unfiltered. And I'm going to do the same there. It's just a place where you can like physically see, oh, I'm sitting in a messy room with toys. I'm not just telling you about it. Like you can see, oh, her house looks like mine sometimes. Um, Not to say that our house is always dirty, but I feel like And that just dirty, maybe just like there's messy stuff, there's toys, but there's times it happens and that's just normal life. Um, I get so annoyed with those people who have like all these tips for like how to keep your house perfect. And let me tell you, I've been talking about this initiative for a minute now and and what it is going to be and and not really telling you guys being very vague. And I'm going to tell you right now, this Thursday is when I'm going to be very specific. Um, this podcast is coming out today because I missed last week's. And so I feel like I still owe an episode. And then on Thursday, I'm going to talk about the initiative and I'm going to talk about the first week of school for us because our first week of school or our first day of school is Wednesday. And so we have like back to school night, Tuesday, meet the teacher Tuesday, and then Wednesday, she has her first day of school. So then I will be recording Wednesday so you can have the episode on Thursday and move on from there um, and talk about the initiative and what that looks like. Um, But for this episode, I'm just going to be talking my truth. And I feel like there's no, um, there's no amount of books I could read that could help me be organized. And this is when I realized that I have to figure out a system that works for me and be okay with that system. And here's why I'm going to tell you this. For people who have one child, and I had like a dysfunctional house as with one child. I mean, like I wasn't perfectly organized. Now her room was always clean because she didn't live in it. Our living room had toys always out, but at the end of the night they got put away. And so having one child was easier. Looking back, it didn't feel like it at the time, but now that I have two Um, having one child was definitely, as I watched my other child roll around on the monitor, um, was definitely easier because the cleanup times were just possible because she would go to sleep, right? And then I could clean up or she would nap and I could clean up and you're, you're just a little bit more free with two, especially a child that's not really napping. She's four and, I don't force her to nap every single day. Um, it really depends on how did, what time did she go to bed last night? What was her quality of sleep? Did she wake up a lot? Um, when she woke up this morning, you know, was she, I mean, she's, she's not a, a gentle waker upper. She's like cranky when she wakes up. Mia is, but you know, I can usually tell by 11 o'clock. Okay. You're tired. So let's have lunch. Let's hang out and let's have some quiet time and get you to take a nap. And now, of course, because she's four, she wants to force me um, not to give her a nap or not to make her take a nap because she wants to play. And why the reason why I don't make her a nap is because what happens is if she doesn't take a nap, she can kind of go to bed earlier. She does kind of go to bed earlier. She sleeps like, a, like, you know, I feel like she sleeps not better, but she'll go to bed, you know, without a fight if, if she doesn't nap. And then, oh, my son is waking up. He can, like, smell that I'm not in the room or something. He is such a boy. Okay, there he goes. Um, and, but the reason why I don't make her nap is because a lot of times I'm wearing two hats or three hats or five hats. And so I'm working and I'm vacuuming and I'm throwing dinner in the oven and I'm pausing to play with Mia and I'm taking a phone call. And so when Elliot sleeps or I have to deal with Elliot, when he takes his nap, when he lays down and he goes to sleep and he takes his nap, that is one-on-one me and Mia time where it's the middle of the afternoon. Typically by that time of day, work is lighter. And so that's our time. I think it's interesting how um, parenting styles and things kind of change over the years. And I think it's especially interesting when you are... Um, when you have like parents and even grandparents who maybe raised you or raised your parents differently than how you're raising your kids. Now, my scenario, I think that my mom grew up 
drastically different than I did. Um, my mom was pretty light with me in terms of discipline and, and rules. I mean, there were rules, but, um, I feel like she was just logical about them and it was never a rule that seemed to didn't, that didn't make sense. Uh, and I was also just a good kid and I think my mom was lucky because she had good kids. Um, none of us did anything like dramatically bad or were, were like, you know, we weren't bad kids. We didn't go out partying and drinking and doing things when we were, you know, in high school. Um, and then, so for me, when I raised my kids, I, just do what I instinctually feel is best despite what maybe books say or what the um like the AAP says like you know the doctors that tell you what to do with your kids like the American Association of Pediatrics or something like that whatever it's called um I take all of that into consideration but it just brings me back to the point that the child that you're raising, you're meant to raise. And so you will figure out how to raise that child. And I think that it could be a hard sentence for some people to hear who are raising children who are perhaps um, neurodivergent or, um, or raising kids that maybe have some behavior issues where you're thinking, I've tried everything and it's not working. Um, I imagine that's hard because I have little kids, right? Like I have a four-year-old who honestly is definitely tests me. And I think that, you know, she, she definitely tries to play me and Ethan. Like if I say no, she'll go to dad. Um, if you know, he says no, she'll come crying to me and I'll have to reiterate what he said and say, like, I'm sorry, your feelings are hurt, but daddy is right. You can't do this right now, or we need to do this right now. Um, and then that's kind of how I reinforce it because I don't, want my children to feel like I'm not a safe place, but you always want to be united front with parenting, right? Because like united, we stand divided, we fall. And when they're little, there's like minor consequences to that. But I really do believe once you are raising older children, preteens and teenagers, you have to be united um, because those are just crazy reckless years. Uh, Stepping aside from that, I was reading an article on motherly, which I really think is just like, um, sort of like a, a, I don't even know what to call it, like a place where lots of people just submit op-ed pieces on motherhood. Um, so they're just like write opinion pieces on motherhood. And that's where there's a lot of pieces and there's some by like doctors and things. But again, I take everything with a grain of salt, even articles written by doctors, because you will always see conflicting information from professionals. Again, I've said it before, the best quote I ever read was like, you know, there's no one right way or one right, you know, thing or a situ- whatever, one right way to raise a child because there's so many children's books out there. If there was one right way, there would be like the child raising Bible, right? And everyone would follow that. But because we all have different kids that have different needs. And so anyway, this article was talking about attachment parenting and how um, with attachment parenting, it actually ends up fostering independence, even though it seems counterintuitive. And I was thinking about like the kind of parent I am and like where some people might think I fall short and where some people might be like, hey, you're doing a great job. Um, and I think that I'm definitely an attachment style kind of parent. I think a lot of millennials are. Um, and meaning that like I, Elliot is almost two. He's still breastfeeding. I, I told you guys, I don't know how to stop. I'm working on it slowly, but surely Mia was so much easier because she did bottles as well. And so I, you know, just eliminating the boob, she, was just giving her a bottle instead. And I did it when she was 19 months old um, because I was going to get pregnant with Elliot and I, um, I'm i having a harder transition because Elliot does not take bottles. I will give him like a bottle of milk or a sippy cup with milk and he'll drink it. And I think if he gets full, he won't want a nurse, but it hasn't worked. And so I end up rocking him a lot of the time. Um, where I, I, I've been, um, I don't know if you guys care about this, but what I've been doing so far is just like not giving it to him every time he wants it. Cause a lot of times like he'll just like run up to me and try to get 
a drink and run away. And I'm like, that's not what we're doing here. Like if you're going to sleep, I get it. Um, but even then, like you don't really need it. And so, um, I'll let you guys know how it goes. Hopefully I'm hoping by like the end of October I'm done. I think it's realistic to say it's going to be a gradual journey. And by the end of October, if I'm done, I'll be completely satisfied with that. Um, he'll be two at the end of October. And so just starting to work on it now feels good. But anyway, the reason why they were saying attachment parenting fosters independence is because when kids are younger than five is what they were saying. Um, they have no real sense of security in themselves yet. And I don't think that's a hundred percent true. I think, you know, your kid can feel confident in themselves, you know, at three or four going to preschool, but really they, they come to you for comfort and um, giving them that attention and that comfort can help them feel that it enables them to focus on growing in the different tasks, right? Like if your kid always knows you're going to be right there, imagine that, knows that like if something were to go down, you're going to be right there. And honestly, that's the kind of parent I want to be forever. I want my kid because people do stupid things. If my kids ever do something stupid or ever go somewhere stupid or ever in a, a actual serious situation, I want them to think I need to call my mom and for them to call me or I need to call my dad. And I think Ethan's more like, I don't care if they call you, I'm showing up too. Um, because he is definitely like the, the harder disciplinarian and in the marriage, like we're just so traditional with those roles. It's ridiculous. But, um, so anyway, I, so like telling your, you want your kid to know that like, if you're bringing some, you know, you, you just are building that confidence in you that you're always going to be there and you're always going to put them in the best situations. And so like when you drop your kid off at school, they're going to cry, right? Mia's first day she cried and I cried. Actually, she did pretty well. She cried in the line more so. And I'm thinking that this year she won't, which is why I'm going to drop another episode and I'll let you know if she actually does on her first day because she's going back to a familiar school. And so I think that the the hardest first days are, even if you go into a different class, Mia knows kind of like the layout of her school. It's a really small school. Um, it only has, you know, ages, it's a preschool. So it's like ages two to four. Um, there's only like four different classrooms. And so, um, she knows she's not going back to her teacher from last year, but she's seen the other teachers before and she'll figure it out. She knows what room she's in. And so, um, I also am a really big, um, I'm an advocate for, or somebody who believes in kind of preparing your children for different situations, whether they are, you know, however they are as kids, because I think when kids know what to expect, they handle situations better. Mia is afraid of dogs. We don't have a dog, and I think that's why, but she just gets afraid of them because like, she doesn't really love animals. Like They kind of run up to you, and they're really hyper, and I keep trying to show her like they're not going to hurt you. But for instance, my aunt has two big dogs, and um, Mia is very afraid of them, and so she does not want to go over to her house because she's afraid of the dogs and so I'm not making her go this this weekend also because I'm tired and have stuff to do um otherwise we would go um but just giving her that reinforcement like hey I'm not going to put you in a situation where this dog's going to hurt you they just want to say hi and give you attention and I think she'll warm up over time um I'm not getting a dog to to change this I, I would like to get a dog when we move in a couple years when my kids are a little bit older, a little bit more independent, like let me get my actual children potty trained before I potty train a puppy. It's just going to be a little bit easier in my life. Um, because I mean, Ethan had a dog for a little while when we were first married and it, I freaking love having a doggy, but it's definitely hard with kids. And I commend, I think it's easier if you already have a pet and then you have a child. I think it's hard if you have like little children, then you get a pet. Not to say it's not doable. It's just not doable for me. And that brings me to another point about capacity. I think oftentimes in motherhood, we compare ourselves to other moms, right? This mom got up at 5 a.m., went to the gym, came back, made herself a smoothie, drank her smoothie, 
then drank her coffee and made her kids a homemade meal before getting them to school. And then she did what? I don't know, whatever stay-at-home moms do, clean the house probably. And then, um, you know, worked on whatever projects had to get done and was coordinating with the PTA. And this mom has it all together. Um, and then maybe for you, you're like 5 a.m. I cannot get up at 5 a.m. and get to the gym. I commend this human. I think we all have different capacity levels for different things. Maybe this person is type A, super organized and can get that done. Um, but maybe you have a very clingy child and it's harder for you to get out the house. It's harder for you to get up. Um, your house isn't perfect, but you know, you're always the one to, to stop and listen to your kid. We all have different capacities and needs. Do you hear my child? Oh my goodness. Every time I get up, he gets up. So I'm going to get him up for the day because it's now been an hour of me trying to get out of bed. Let me get him. So I was talking about attachment parenting and literally throughout that whole conversation, Elliot kept waking up. Um, I'm recording in the morning and he literally (laughs) can sense I'm leaving the room and like he would be asleep and just wasn't working out. But I wanted to read something to you that um, I saw Milky Mama's post. Um, I saw Milky Mama's posted because I felt like it was really relatable and I'm going to share with you, of course, raw, real, unfiltered, right? Um, my take and my experience with all of these feelings. And so here is what it says. In our society, a mother suffers guilt no matter what she does. If she's on top of her kids, making sure everything's okay, she's called a helicopter mom. And if she lets them run around as she sits on the side talking to a friend, she's neglectful. If she prefers cooking from scratch and organic everything, her kids are going to go crazy on junk food when they go to someone else's house. And if she feeds them donuts and muffins for breakfast some mornings because she's in a rush or just because, then her kids are unhealthy. If she breastfeeds and doesn't produce enough milk and her baby isn't thriving, then she's a failure. But when she adds formula, she's more of a failure for not giving her baby all breast milk. If she stays home with her kids, she should be working. How can her family financially keep up? But if she's working, she's met with their only little ones. If she hasn't lost the postpartum weight, gosh, she let herself go. But if she did, wow, she must not eat, spend hours working out, and neglect her children. In a society that knows everything and places too many expectations on moms, if you listen to everyone else, you're always going to fall short. So don't listen and stop feeling bad for your choices. Throw those internalized, unrealistic expectations away and do what's best for you and your family. It's called your family for a reason. Besides, if you love your children and you try, you're a good mom. And so... I feel like, one, we all need to hear that no matter how good of a day we're doing. And I'm sure that one of you is crying right now listening to the podcast because I was crying reading this because it's true. And I will tell you where I feel like I have fallen short lately. And I want to share some things with you guys. And I will just give me one more week, okay? I feel like because I'm at the job I'm at, I failed. I'm at a place where a lot of my family has worked um, and has made very good lives for themselves. And in in the same kind of vein, I've made a pretty good life for myself, but it's not my heart's passion, right? It's not what gets me up in the morning and sets my soul on fire. This podcast is, my YouTube is. Um, Being able to reach out to moms and really connect with people is, is, is where I thrive. I'm an extrovert. And so um, I'm, I'm a shy extrovert, but I really do do my best and feel my best when I am with um, other people. And I'm able to like really commiserate with other people, which is why this podcast does some good t- for me. Um, because I feel like I hope that you're a mom or a, or a person on the other side of this and you're getting a glimpse into motherhood or you're getting a glimpse into the life of a normal freaking person who's doing her best to be a good person every day and be a good mom in society makes that really hard for us. Um, to be a stay-at-home mom, I can imagine what that how hard that can be because your sole purpose is your children and I am not a stay-at-home mom. I'm a work-from-home mom, you know, 90% of the time. And I feel like I've lost myself in motherhood. And in a way, I'm throwing myself into it. 
um, with this podcast and with some of my content, but in a way, I'm also kind of claiming myself back doing the same thing. Um, I was an actress before I was ever married and had kids. Um, I, I, I'm pretty, I think I'm good at public speaking. <laughs> um, and so being able to do that has really helped me, but I was at this indoor playground the other day and, um, literally yesterday and I took the kids because it was, you know, Saturday morning and I felt bad because during the week I had to tell Mia one minute a lot. And, um, there's all of these videos on TikTok that make you feel like garbage because they're like, you tell your kid one minute and then one, one day they won't ask for you or something dramatic and sad like that. And I feel like those videos are helpful for the people that need it and harmful for the people that don't. I am fully, if it were up to me, I wouldn't tell my child one minute, but the house has to function. And so this this idiotic idea that we should never have our children wait for us, that we should give our children all of our undivided attention is so freaking unrealistic. Unless you have a maid and a personal chef and you're freaking rich, it's unrealistic. If I had a housekeeper come every single day, then I would very rarely have to tell my child one minute, except for when it comes to work. And even then, I'm very good about you know, working and then taking a minute to look and make sure my children are entertained or making sure that I have something set up for them. I feel like, you know, in the ideal world, it may, it would make sense to send my kids to daycare or to get a nanny. But financially, I just don't think that it's the smartest decision we could make. I think it would put a different kind of stress on us that if we don't have to have it, I don't want to. And so, I'm really tired of people telling us moms how to mom and how to feel about our journeys in motherhood. And I think that for most of us, we are painfully aware that today is the youngest our kid is ever going to be again. Tomorrow, they're going to be just a little bit older. We know. Thank you for reminding me. So let me soak it up in the moments I can have but don't ruin the moments where it's not possible. I feel like for moms that are working, and I mean really working, and I work my butt off, y'all. I work my butt off at my job. I put in extra hours every day for the most part. And I do that by getting up early, right? And so that I can be prepped and set so my kids are ready and they have everything they need and I'm able to like balance the, the act. And it's a complete juggling act and it's not ideal. Okay. It's not ideal, but it's preferred for me, right? Because if I had to choose to work away for them or to work home with them, I will always choose to be with them, right? Because I'm a clingy, a clingy butt parent. I wanted to say a bad word, but you know, kids might be listening. Um, and anyway, but for moms that like, okay, I go into the office once a week, once a freaking week. And let me tell you to get up, to get dressed, to sneak out of bed, because I have to sneak away from my son, not from my husband, like from my son, um, be looking like an adult, have food packed for me, have my kids packed to go to my grandparents, go to work, come back, get home around five o'clock, still make dinner, haven't seen them all day, want to sit and engage with them, but then have to like clean up dinner or I'm not going to clean up dinner. That's Ethan's job. But then he's coming home even later. Haven't seen any of us. And, you know, for me, I feel like, you know, I get to see them more. So let me take on some of this responsibility of like cook, clean dinner, prep the kids, get the kids ready, or like, you know, take care of them, whatever, like do all the household duties or whatever. It's exhausting. And I feel like the guilt that is all over social media that's placed on moms is dumb. And I don't like it. I think that some moms might need a reality check. I know somebody, um, a friend that told me that like they worked and they were nannies. And, you know, I am all for having a high powered career. I think it's very hard in motherhood, especially early motherhood. Um, they always say they're only little once. It's because those years one through four or birth through four. As much as I hate that TikTok that's like, you only get this peak experience once and it, then it's gone. It's a little bit true. Mia is four and a lot of her baby ways are gone. There's a lot of big girl things she's doing. What they don't tell you is that the next stage is exciting. Like you're not losing your kid, but it's exciting. Um, my child's now going to school every day, not all day, but every day. 
Um, and that's cool. And that's, I'm excited for her because she's going to see people her age every single day. She's going to make, last year she went twice a week. And I really think I should have just put her in three times a week. Um, but I, I was happy because she got into the two, two day slot. And, um, I think when the more you go, the more those friendships born, like form and the more like I hope I'm able to build some sort of relationship with some of the parents at her school. Um, but it's no freaking joke how hard motherhood is. And we all have different scenarios that we are brought up in or different scenarios and how we have our children, what age we have our children, our marital status, our financial status, regardless, these are our kids. And we should not be shamed for however we raise them. I remember when I was breastfeeding Mia, right? And I went back to work full time. My supply dropped. And I think it is very normal for that to happen. One, I was stressed out at work. I was stressed being away from her. I was sitting in the pumping room trying not to cry. And my supply tanked. Thank God there's formula in those instances because I was able to breastfeed her in the morning, breastfeed her at night, give her a little milk that I pumped through the day, and the rest was formula. And she is thriving. She is so smart. I can tell you that. Elliot different story all breast the whole time and um it's different he's also smart and also thriving and so this idea of you're not a good mom if you can't breastfeed or if you if you work or if you do this or that it's just all bs and i, I just am tired of it because it's hard and you sacrifice your entire body, your relationships with other people, and all of these other things to be a mom. So two things. The one thing I was struggling with is my after two babies body. It's not ideal. <laughs> it is not Kim Kardashian or any other celebrity who's had kids. I don't look like J-Lo. I don't look like the moms I saw at the freaking playground. But here's when I realized I needed to move. And I hope no one takes offense to this. I have moved to an area that is just... Many people are just not like-minded, I'll say. Where I am like very free, very accepting of everyone. Very loving and open. Very much like, let Jesus judge, I'm going to love. You know, that's my motto. And... I understand that there's a place for people to teach people, you know, in the Christian community and churches and things, there's people who you need to teach people, you know, right and wrong and all that stuff. That's not really my job. And I don't think it's my job um, unless somebody is coming to me specifically and asking me, what do I think about something? I don't feel like it's my place. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. Um, But I went to this indoor playground and it's a really cool indoor playground like super cool. Um, if you've never been to an indoor playground, find one. It has like all of these little kitty slides and like activities and it's for kids seven and younger, but usually you'll see like one to four year olds there, sometimes like five year olds. Usually once the kids get like six or seven, they don't want to be there anyway. Um, there's like other places you can take them. And so I was there Saturday morning and there's nothing wrong with this scenario, but it's not what I prefer. And I'm going to explain it. Um, and everyone there, there is one mom who had a mom bod. I thought about being her friend, um, but I was tired and my husband was there and my kids were there. So I just stuck with them, stuck with my original crew. Everyone else with tall, skinny and blonde. All of the children were blonde. My child, my children are white presenting for the most part. Um, if you don't know what I look like, I'm not white. You can check my my Instagram if this is like, you're welcome to the podcast. Nothing is wrong with this at all. Nothing is wrong with this scenario. But what I have found issue with is, and nothing bad, it was like a fine day. Like everyone was nice. I was talking to this other mom. She was great. Nothing was wrong in this scenario. It was a great day, a great place. But it's hard because like the area that I live in 
that's what everyone looks like for the most part. And so when I see a person of color, whether they are like black or black or Latin descent, or even if they're like, uh, I said Latin descent, or even if they're like Asian, I get very excited to see somebody else that's like an other in our community. And I want my children to grow up seeing people from many different walks of life. I grew up seeing people who were from many different walks of life. I'm talking about like people who were Muslim, people who were Jewish, people who were, you know, Asian, people who were Latinx or Hispanic, people who are black. I mean, obviously people who are black because it's my family. And so, and in my experience growing up, because of my like exposure to different cultures and different races, I kind of just have general respect for everyone. And um, I dated, you know, around the rainbow. That sounds bad. But I mean, I dated like five people probably in my whole life. So it's not that bad. And I was a good girl, like good, good girl with most of these guys. Um, And so I want my and so I having that experience one, I went and had dinner in like an authentic like Asian household. I went and met, you know, this man, he was, he was actually from Mexican. So I can, and he was actually from Mexico. So he was Mexican. So I'm saying that because that's what he actually is. Um, and cause his family is from Mexico and saw their family and their culture. And, you know, they didn't really question me and like my, you know, I don't mean that to my face. And, um, I just want my children to be around different people and I think it's hard when you're in like a homogenous society anywhere. And I would be very uncomfortable and I lived if I lived in an all-black community as well. Because if you haven't noticed, I don't fit in. I am one of those black girls that people made fun of for being white. I am one of those black girls that like was ambiguous and when I was younger and people just wanted to date me because they were like, you're kind of exotic. I'm not exotic. I'm American. Like, like, I'm just like brown and pretty. I don't know what you want from me. Um, and so I have been looking at areas to live in. And the, the thing that's kind of bad is we've been here for a minute now, um, going into year three next year. And so I'm getting comfortable right? Like I know where all my things are. I know where my Starbucks is. I know where my target is. Everything is getting comfortable, but I'm reminded. And I even looked, drove their neighborhood the other day and thought I could buy the, one of these houses because they were gorgeous. Um, but then I remembered what I want for my child or my children. And it's to have a very diverse friend group and invite very diverse upbringing because I think it makes them better people. And I think it'll be hard where I'm at. I'd have to work hard to do that. So long story short, I will not be staying here. I will be moving. Um, (laughs) and that's all. And there's just been some instances that here that have been really nasty. Um, not with like preschoolers or young kids, just with the older kids that I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with. Um, so yeah, we, we will be leaving. And I actually really like where we live right now except for the fact that I need my kids to be exposed to more people. And so we're going to move somewhere else that is um, a little more diverse. And that's important to me. And I think that I want my child to understand people who are different races, different religions, maybe people who are neurodivergent people, just to be accepting and loving, because I think that's what brings people to God and what brings people happiness in such a dark world is to just be loving and to accept everyone and love everyone. And that's who I am for the most part, unless you're mean, then I'm not going to like you. So don't be a mean person. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, so long story short, oh, I've been struggling with my post baby bodies because I've had two kids and the time to work out is hard. And I feel like as you get older, you know, when I was younger, Let's say that I've been eating really bad or something. And I don't like to use that word. I was just eating a lot of greasy, heavy food. Let's say that. And I think I felt like my body wasn't looking as slim and trim as I wanted it to. I could go work out and be fine in a week. And it's hard now because like when you're like 30, that's not the case. And so it's like consistency and it's diet and then it's patience and it's also reality. And it's like, you can get up and you can do it. I know you can do it. 
I'm not saying I can't get up and work out. I'm saying that when I get up, my mornings are not conducive for me to exercise Monday through Friday. So if Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or even if just on Tuesday and Thursday, I go to the gym in the evening and Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I go to the gym whenever I feel like it because it's easier days. I think that's plenty of working out. And maybe not even Friday. I think it's fine to just go to the gym on Tuesday, just go to the gym on Thursday, go to the gym Saturday and Sunday. I've worked out four days, four out of the seven days of the week. That is more than 50%. I don't know what percent it is. Um, And I'm not going to do the math for you. And that's what's going to have to be. But also the flexibility of my kid is sick. My husband has to work overtime. I didn't prepare dinner. I'm sick. Um, there's something going on with school has to be taken into account. So again, just being super scheduled is important in my life right now. Um, I think that there comes a time in your life where schedule is everything and that's okay. So to sum it all up in my struggle bus for the week, I texted my husband saying, I'm tired of everything being hard. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of hating every single picture of me and feeling like a whale. I'm tired of wishing my friends would check in on me, checking in on them and never hearing from them. I'm tired of being the one that cares for everyone else, but no one cares for. I'm tired of working hard and feel like my dream will never come true. I'm tired of trying to figure out financially when to buy this and when to do that. I just want to be able to buy it like that. I'm tired of striving for a dream and wondering if I'll ever make it. And I think that this is very, very common for people who are three, four, five years into a dream. So what happens is whenever you get this goal in your life or like a dream or a calling or business idea, you guys know this podcast, I feel like is one of my callings as well as some of my other content and some other community things I want to do throughout this journey, right? So we're used to, um, when things happen, it happens instantaneously. So like when somebody blows up on TikTok or blows up on YouTube, it happens overnight. And so we see these people and they're like sensationalized, right? It's like one day they have a hundred followers, the next day it's 14,000 or something or a hundred thousand or like, you know, 22,000 followers. And they just kind of instantly blew up. What I think, and I love you guys for the podcast, is, and what I've heard from Rachel Hollis say before she got big was like, um, in one of her audiobooks, she was talking about how she was at the right place, right time in terms of like social media, because it was kind of like in the beginning when everything was blowing up. But then also she had like a true following, like a true following. And maybe it wasn't Rachel. I think it might have been. I listened to a lot of people. Um, And they're talking about how you could blow up overnight, but if your followership isn't loyal, everyone's happy to see this video you posted and whatever, but you'll eventually fall off. And I've seen that happen with, um, I've seen some really big major content creators, specifically TikTokers, who have said, it doesn't last forever, it goes by quick, don't be fooled by this. Um, I saw a couple of creators say that. And so for me, as somebody who wants to like build a brand for moms. Like this is a safe space where you can all get in a group chat and vent about our husbands, our kids. We can cry together. We can pray together. We can um, tell our crazy kid stories and laugh. That's the community I want to build. Um, and I'm frustrated because I do want that community to be what I really, what I do. I really want to spend my time uplifting women in, in raising my kids. Um, and I feel kind of like I'm in bars because I have to do my job. And if I didn't have to do my job, there's just so much more energy. There's just so much of a better way my day could be broken up to serve you guys and to serve the women in my community and to serve my children. And so I've had to kind of remind myself and also kind of relook at everything that I'm doing and say, you know, you're still going to build what you're trying to build. But, you know, that annoying saying Rome wasn't built in a day If you want something to be big and successful, it's going to take more than a day, sometimes more than one year, sometimes more than two years. And so if you are building something um, or if you want to start something, this is and keep going. That's what I'm going to say, because I'm kind of like in the middle of my journey, I feel like um, where I'm not a novice podcaster. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm professional, but I've done this for more than a year, so I kind of know how to like get on and talk. But I, you know, I, there's still a lot for me to learn in this um, realm and space. 
Um, and it can be really tiring when you feel like you're not hitting goals or making things that you want, but just keep going. Like everything that's worth it, everything in life that's like worth it is not easy. Like having kids is not easy. Giving birth and being pregnant is not easy. Having a beautiful, loving 56 year marriage is not easy. It's easier to cut and run. Like, so like even when it comes to business or even when it comes to like fitness and body goals, not easy. And so for me, I would just say, like, keep doing what you're doing, keep doing your best, and don't compare yourself to others. I was in tears because what was I doing? Comparing myself to the tall, skinny, blonde moms. And I feel like I'm a short brown blob because I'm so little, guys. I am so short. I am painfully short. I am not even five feet. And so I see, like, the tall, pretty, skinny people, and I'm like, if I was just two inches taller you guys would not stand a chance, but it's, it's, it's it's okay. It's my fatal flaw. Anyway, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I will be talking to you guys about Mia's first day of school and how that went, how back to school night went and, um, taking the entire class went because I'm taking her by myself. Usually my husband goes, but because of work constraints, he won't be able to go this year. Um, so I'll tell you about how that goes and I am going to try my best to be social. Again, I am a shy extrovert. Like once I start talking to you, I'm fine. But like that initiating the conversation is awkward. I'm awkward. Millennials are awkward. So anyway, I hope that you have a great week. I hope that you stay safe. I hope that you're surviving back to school. I hope that you're not anxious about the seasons changing. I know for some people, including myself, I was anxious about fall coming and winter coming and being worried about um, seasonal depression, uh, cause I kind of sort of suffer from it. Um, I probably could see a therapist about a lot of things, but I just pray and hang on tight and hope that I make it through, which I do not advise. Um, and I told you guys, I started this therapy journey and I want to just explain to you how frustrating it is. And I'll tell you guys about that later. I'm going to make a sticky note to talk about that. Um, because it has just been a frustrating process. And not because I'm in crisis, just because I think it would be helpful. And then, um, yeah. But anyway, if you haven't, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure that you leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts. That's the Purple Podcast app. Leave a five-star review if you can. Share it with your mom friends. Share it with your mom. One of my um, friends' moms listens to the podcast. Love you. You know who you are. And um, share it with everybody because, you know, just laugh at my pain, right? Isn't that a Kevin Hart movie or uh, something? Oh, I think it's one of his stand-ups. Laugh at my pain. Go ahead, laugh at mine, and um, we'll keep lifting each other up. Follow me on Instagram at Christian Mom Uncensored, and I will talk to you all next week. Love you, ladies. Love you, gentlemen. Love you, people who are people. Peace out, Girl Scout. Bye.